Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. And I've seen this a lot by being in, you know, high net worth mastermind groups and just being around people that are more transparent and showing what they're doing with their investing and their finances. And I know you see this more than anybody because you see behind the curtain of what people are doing. And it's like a proven formula that they know when you decide to step on the field of investing and play that game. And inning one is when you start and inning nine, when it's all said and done is when you die, you're playing that game the entire time. And you know that there's going to be highs in certain innings and lows in certain innings. And you're going to be putting points up on the board in certain innings and you're going to get points, you know, scored on you. Yep. Right. But that being said, there's strategy for each stage of the game and the process. Gangs mobile, baby. It's coming down the track. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Mattie A, co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What's up, y'all? We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. If you are near here, Near here, new here, near here, new here. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoy the show, all we ask, leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on. Be sure to check out all the great stuff that we have available for you guys, show notes, links, and products and tools available for you at millionermindcast.com. And don't forget to take advantage. Two free things that we always make sure our family is aware of. You can get your free financial x-ray, a financial portfolio review on your existing portfolio by Ryan and his amazing team. Yep. They will go through everything with a fine-tooth comb, give you feedback and input on what they are seeing, as well as build you out a completely new customized custom, financial yeah. plan tailored to your needs. And you can text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555 to connect with his team. And if you are an accredited investor and you want to get on my deals list, you can text the word deals to 844-447-1555. As many of you guys know, I 
closed out three of my hotels this last year. And I might have another one coming down the pipe here this week that I'm excited to share out with you guys. Pretty excited actually on this one in particular. I'm putting a good chunk of my own money and this is something that I will be actively operating and managing with our team and our company. So very excited in a market that I think you and I will enjoy visiting quite frequently. I know where it's at. I know what you'll be doing. Let's just say Mm. there might be some penny slots in your future. Penny is plenty, baby. Penny is plenty, baby. So we'll let you guys connect the dots. But again, if you want to get on my deals list and you are an accredited investor, deals to 844-447-1555. This week, Mm. lots of news. God bless this week. Pretty much everything that I know you are focusing on. I don't think I've gotten a text from you that has not uh, been focused around earnings and what's been going on in the stock market. And it is a big week. It's like big, big earnings. Like earnings, this might be the biggest week of the whole year. We, I don't think we have this many companies. As at least from what you shared, we've got collectively over reporting earnings this week, which is obviously a very big deal. And we're seeing big moves in the market as a result of it. So we're going to get your take and thoughts on that. We've got the Case-Shiller Index and some updates on national housing prices is the Fed seeing what they want with this data? And how's that going to tie into rates in the near and long-term uh, horizon? We'll be talking a little bit more about that. Is the delinquencies of housing mm. starting to tick up? We got some data that rolled out there. We've got some interesting stuff that's going on politically. Yeah. Kevin McCarthy's oh, talking about yeah, some... Of Biden's alleged involvement in shell companies and the rising to the level of an impeachment inquiry. There's all kinds of drama, good and bad, everything in between. This is going to be a good going episode. down. So, with that being said, why don't we start by talking about what you've been focused on over the earnings. last 48 hours, which is all Ooh. earnings going on in the stock market? We've got a lot of people historically. Or not historically, but over the course of, let's say, the last six to 12 months that have been beating their bear drum extremely, extremely hard. And now we're starting to see more and more people... I've had to run that gauntlet. I had to start get to, beat. Yeah, start to kick that, that narrative down the road a little bit more of maybe further out we're going to see it. But right now, a lot of people are actually, I don't want to say folding on their their sword or falling on their sword, but we're starting to see some acknowledge the fact that the market is flipping to what seems to be a bull market, that there could be yes. potential bear, you know, um, concerns on the horizon. But as of right now, are we in a bull market? And what 100%. is the market showing based on the We are in a bull seeing? market. No matter what, I don't know what any, how anybody could say anything otherwise. We just hit 52-week highs um, on all the indexes. 11 days in a row up for the Dow, eight days in a row up for the NASDAQ, nine days in a row up for the S&P. We broke through 4,500, which I was looking for. We're still holding above 4,500. We've had plenty of follow through. Um, I'm still hunting for 4,800, like I said, on the S&P. Text your aunt, call your uncle. We're making money, folks. It's time. Uh, <laughs> it's time to finally reap the benefits of being fully invested and staying fully invested. This is why you yeah, buy t- when the market is down. Talk about that because when the market starts to recover, normally by the time you have noticed that it has recovered, 
it's too late. And then you'll try to get into the market and then you'll bitch and moan because you had subpar returns compared to what you're hearing other people talk about. And then you'll blame it on the market when ultimately it was your fault for having soft hands and selling to people like Papa Breedwell who has sniper hands and buys all the soft-handed stocks off all the weak investors in the stock market. So it's been a wonderful time. Um, Still a little choppy. We're having uh, we're having some rotation. There's still a lot more play on the um, more high beta names and, and uh, technology names, but we are seeing rotations uh, into things like healthcare. Um, the laggers are starting to be the, the superstars. Financials, healthcare, industrials have been lagging all year, and those are starting to catch up. Um, I would, um, if you are listening to this and you're not hearing this from uh, your advisor or you're not getting this type of info, that these are the people that should be hitting that x-ray button because this is the type of stuff we can go through, identify holes in your portfolio and kind of make sure that we update them to get them aligned. Um, the more risk you take, the more reward you're going to get long-term. If you uh, asked, you could go on, look in the reviews in our podcast, people will put in there. They're, they're very happy when, when we kind of can help them out with that kind of stuff. Oh, um, I mean, it's as, as comprehensive as I've ever seen when it works. out there. And I mean, some of the stuff, Matt and I have a similar portfolio, which is fairly high risk. It's mainly individual stocks. A little aggressive. We're at, you know, 190, <clears throat> 220% rate of return on some of our positions. And that, when you buy stocks at that low of a price, even when the market goes down, you're still sitting at 100 to 130% rate of return. And that's the idea of the longer that you're invested, the less loss or less likely you are to take a loss because you don't get back to principal value. So yeah, it's been wonderful. Uh, just to, uh, Monday and Tuesday, which it is Tuesday when we're recording it, we had over $6 trillion of that, about $10 trillion plus plus report. So these two days were really kind of the the springboard for the week. And I'm hoping that'll carry through. And it tells me, you know, there's my gut. I'm thinking we're going to have a pretty good uh, week this week for the S&P 500. Um, 48.18. That is the highest that the S&P 500 has ever traded ever. Um, we're at about 45 or 4,600 right now. So we're very close uh, to getting through to that number. But that will be the next level of resistance that we come up to will be that all-time high. If we break through that all-time high, it will absolutely tear uh, into another long-term cycle. Um, no V-shaped recovery. I don't think it's going to be 2020. It'll take a little bit of time, probably through 2024 for some of our investors, including myself, to recoup some of the losses that have been incurred. Mm-mm. But it, it's just still a good, it just tells you you're just buying while the market's down. If you're going to recover, it's because you're buying through a down, yep. uh, downturn in the market. So very happy with the last few days. But I'm very, very happy with uh, the news that I heard today. I mean, in, in hindsight, it's always easier to connect the dots and get a little bit more clarity looking back as you've gone through it. Sure. 2020 hindsight's our best <clears throat> vision a lot of the times. Can you talk a little bit more about what we and many people that have worked with you were doing when you're talking about staying invested. Some people think like, oh yeah, maybe taking some chips off here, but I'm leaving a little money in. Like what, what does staying invested mean? And what did that look like over the course of, let's say the last 12 to 24 months for people that were buying through this very turbulent, volatile time when for most that are emotional investors, 
wanted to and or did take their money off the table. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people that like fully pulled, uh, not people that took like withdrawals um, to put it somewhere else, but like people that just wanted to sit like and cash. quit and I quit on the investing because yeah. they were starting to take losses. Idiots. Um, I mean, I say it and it sounds harsh, but I, if a financial advisor, if you're asking an advisor for advice and you'll take it when the sun's out and you won't take it when it rains, you're an idiot. That's the time when you're supposed to listen to your advisor. Uh, so when we stay fully invested, it's as simple as what exactly what that means. We don't sell positions minus in non-qualified accounts for tax loss harvesting, yep. which allows us to a degree to harvest some of those taxes for the future. We stay fully invested. And maybe what happens is when we make contributions, we hold those in a cash position a little longer than we might normally do. So we can take opportunity for when the market does pull back a little more than it already is. So we can nibble at stuff. So we can average down expensive positions that we had. I still own and I had a lot of Twilio and I had a higher than um, I think my average cost per share was around 170, 180. I've gotten that almost sub 100 now. And the only way I would have done that is by continuing to add, which means I don't have to make back up to about my 160 to be in the green now. Yep. I got to make back up to about 100 to be in the green now. And, and that is what you get the benefit of with dollar cost averaging. Um, whenever you, you have to remember whenever you take your money out of the market, assuming that you're, even though you made that stupid of a decision, you're smart enough to put it back in. You're saying that you, you, you know when the market's going to bottom. And if it was as easy as just taking your money out and, and, oh, here it is, here's the bottom of the market, putting your money back into the market, a lot of people would do that. And history shows that people that are actively trading to beat the market on returns or trying to time the market, because we trade actively, but we're more of an allocation, not like a, we're not stock pickers. Yep. We're allocated and then we pick stocks in the allocation or sectors that we're looking to do. We do more factor investing. Um, those people historically don't have long-term success. They have one or two or three good years that they always talk about but they don't have consistent success. And that creates what's called portfolio variance. And when you have extremely high portfolio variance, it has it jacks up your standard deviation, which means one year you made 94, the next year you made 2%, then you lost 36, then you made five, then you made 50. They're just way too big of a swing instead of being able to compound and slowly and surely cruise that asset up into a higher and higher and higher value. So what's better long-term is to stay fully invested, understand the amount of risk that you're taking so you can understand the loss provisions that are going to occur and what you have to do during those times. And when you take losses in your account, if you're a prudent investor, like when there's deals in the real estate market because people made bad decisions, you capitalize on mm -hmm. them. You don't just say, oh no, stuff is cheap. I better, I better sell my stuff and, and get a, a low value on it right now. I better lock in that low value. No, you buy stuff quality stuff while it's cheap. Let it reappreciate back to its normal value and then you benefit from that. So that that is the whole case and cause of keeping yourself fully invested so that long term you don't have to worry about timing the market. Yep. Your dividends <clears throat> are paid, they're reinvested. It slowly averages your account balance down while increasing your balance over a long term. So you you just further and further and further insulate yourself from uh, bad rates of return. And I've seen this a lot by being in, you know, high net worth mastermind groups and just being around people 
that are more transparent and showing what they're doing with their investing and their finances. And I know you see this more than anybody because you see behind the curtain of what people are doing. And that see, it's it's like a, a proven formula that they know when you decide to step on the field of investing and play that game and inning one is when you start and inning nine when it's all said and done is when you die you're playing that game the entire time and you know that there's going to be highs in certain innings and lows in certain innings and you're going to be putting points up on the board in certain innings and you're going to get points you know scored on you yep right but that being said there's strategy for each stage of the game and the process right yeah absolutely and it seems to me and that quitting is not really one of exactly them. right there. And it's 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 not a I'm quitting and therefore I'm out of the game because then you're just not playing the game anymore and therefore you don't have the chance to truly win based on the strategies that work when you're on that field. Yeah, you're. It's almost even if we're on sports, it's just you you have the opportunity to swing, but you're just holding the bat. Yep. So you won't. You obviously won't have success if you never strike or never have a hit. But if you don't take, give yourself the opportunity to give the hit, so it just. There's all sorts of good analogies you can put towards it, but it really like there is so much data. I mean, I always tell people, you ever hear about Warren Buffett liquidating and going to cash? The the guy that they call the the Oracle? No. And then the excuse is, well, he has a lot of money. Well, yeah, no shit. So maybe he probably has a good idea of how to how to right. manage that amount of money. He sells and buys other things, but he does not go to cash. He did accumulate cash instead of buying stock like he said he did. And then immediately when the market went down, he bought companies. That's what he did. He put a ton of money into Apple. He put a ton of money into Bank of America. His most recent was uh, Apple and then American Express. So we have this example of exactly what to do. And you have to also, you know, another thing, these mutual funds and ETFs, they don't go to cash. Nobody goes to cash that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that. Right. People that try to have a sexy story or say, oh, I'm going to time this. And yeah, we avoid losses because we'll, we trigger into cash and then we go back. Doesn't work. Will not work. Doesn't work. If it worked, I would do it. I would be doing it for all my clients. It simply does not work. Anybody pushing that narrative is simply lying to you and trying to swoon you in with a sexy story. What works is not sexy. It's buying quality stuff it's not jamming all your money into plug power or Tesla or any of these other high beta names and crossing your fingers and hoping you get rich in three years. It's consistency and consistency on consistency. And you just have to keep doing that. But it, it does really start to pay off in the back end. Yeah. When you get to like a million dollars in an investment account, you can make five or 10% and it's like, Way different than when you have 10 grand and you started that account, you made five or 10%. Right. You just made 100 grand or 50 grand. That doesn't even include your 20 or $30,000 in dividends you just got paid. Hmm. And you didn't do anything. You just did the other stuff in prior years that got you to this point. So now when you need to get to another, to, to 2 million, it takes you three or four years. And then to get to 6 million, it takes you two or, th- two or four years. And then to get to 20 million, it takes you three or four years. It quickly snowballs on itself. Yeah. Just getting there is not for the faint of heart or for the weak. It's for people who have consistency and are willing to commit to that and can stick to it through um, kind of the hard times, which is what separates good investors. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to me, it's it's just this reinforcement of unemotional investing 
having a plan, sticking to it, executing it, and doing it for a really long period of time. And you see the people that are going to do really well in this next cycle that stayed invested this whole time and executed on that strategy. It was generally because they didn't get into the emotional side of where the market is at and just prudently kept following their plan, which is what we did, right? And that's why it's so important to have somebody that allows you to confidently execute on something that you know and believe in is going to pay off over the long term. Yep. So couldn't agree more. Going back to this bear versus bull discussion, if we were to talk about it through the remainder of the year, you're thinking that we're going to be in a bull market through the remainder of the year? Yeah, yeah. There's no recession. Zero there's not a zero percent chance of recession, but it's 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 not likely. It's highly not quantifiable that there'll be a recession unless you bought a bunch of stuff that you need a recession to happen so you make money and you need to go on TV to sell your bag. Yeah. Because that's what's happening. I've talked about it before. We've talked about it in 2020 when people were saying there wasn't going to be a V-shaped recovery. And, and I was saying, no, 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 no. Those people are selling their bag. They're just pushing their, their portfolio. It's exactly what happened then. It's 100% what happened then. Um, that's why, again blinders, financial plan, sticking to it. It's the most successful thing you can do for yourself. What are your thoughts around some of the concerns people have with kind of this debt bubble? Corporate, government, personal. Is that something that could be a domino? Is the commercial, you know, mortgage side of the market and the pressure and the stress mounting there? Stressed, the bank stress test this year was a corporate debt bubble bursting and there was like $490 billion in losses applied and all of the banks were still able to lend money out. At yeah, a, at I think a, I saw it was like the worst case scenario the Fed did. A, it was like over $500 billion yeah, or something with like a that. Mar- with a market recession. Correct. Uh, like a stock market recession and a recession in the real estate market and a complete meltdown. Like a worst case scenario. It was okay. like three things in three different markets, two real estate, one the equities and fixed income market all going bad and all the banks were still able to lend. So like... Yeah, that could totally happen. A satellite mm-hmm. could fall out of the sky while I'm in the Taco Bell drive through and crush me. I mean, anything can happen. You can just make up any scenario and then you could run with it. I, it's just not, it's highly likely not to happen. So I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, all of the big bears, like I've been talking to you about Morgan Stanley, most recently, Bank of America was a month or two ago. They're just starting to fall on their swords because it's, it's starting to become more and more and more clear we cannot have a recession with the current environment that we're in. The confusing thing right now is the Fed, honestly. Because I was, I, and I feel like an idiot for doing it, but you sometimes got to be naked on stage. I set my flag like, oh yeah, there's no more rate hikes. They're only going to pause. Well, they're going to raise rates tomorrow. That's what they're going to do by yep. a quarter of a percent. If they don't, we'll see 4,800 tomorrow on the <laughs> yeah. um, But... They will raise rates by that much. Um, I just, you know, at the rate they're going, if they, let's let's run with the narrative that the news is pushing that they're gonna they're gonna hike and then one more time, we're talking five to seven rate cuts they would have to do statistically next year in order to keep online. 
that's really, really, really fast down. We've already gone up really fast. Yeah, right. It'd be better to kind of just hang out here and then slowly start to go down versus slide straight down this like 80 degree slope. I mean, it's really, it's unbelievable. So I don't think that that's what the Fed wants to do. But um, the old terminology is we're waiting for the fat lady to sing. And I, I'm starting to hear echoes because... Now it's, oh, hey, we're going to start cutting in um, March of 2024. Okay, maybe now it's February of 2024. It's closer and closer and closer to the end of the year. It's just that's the only misnomer. And I don't, I there's there's no consensus right now. You have some Fed chairs that are current and prior. They're saying, oh, we don't need to, we don't need to rate hike. We, we do need to rate hike. You had the IMF uh, chief economist come on today on TV and say, I think that they do need to continue to hold rates high, but not hike. And he also said, we don't, we see less than a 20% chance of a recession in the United States. It just doesn't, doesn't look like recessions in other places around the, around the world. Yes. Yeah. But not in the United States. We just see higher than, than comfortable and normal and usual inflation being sticky. And so that to me is becoming the more, that was where people were right. Like inflation is very sticky, but the flip side of that coin is, but the consumer in the market isn't accepting it as as bad as we thought they were. Yeah, that makes sense. I also am just very curious to see where unemployment ties into this whole data set because it's not, and it's not, I, I've been historically it's this. been something that everybody emphasizes as one of the major Same major with the yield curve, right? And and those are two points that you and I have been going back and forth on. I said back weekly, in, right? I said back in twenty twenty. The yield curve died because the market metrics on the metrics on the market moved too fast. Mm-hmm. Back when the yield curve was being tracked, we really used the bond market as the main main indicator because debt is more secure than right. stocks. So we'd use the bond market to have, hey, this is a bellwether to to, to forecast. It does not, in my opinion, work anymore. Because if it did, is, why be, though? That's the question I have. Is because our debt and spending is so egregious and out of control no, that no. it's it's just a, it's it's all, all the yield curve is. It just tells us where you're getting the highest yield on debt. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that we've been in ri- a rising interest rate environment for quite some time. So, Aggressively, yeah. So bonds are going and to get- rising inflation. Correct. Climate aggressively. So people are piling into short-term debt instruments, which is means that they're going to have to offer higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher coupon rates in order to attract more um, strikes at the uh, at the weekly auctions that happen on the treasury securities. Uh, I saw like a sixty-two percent participation on this week's treasury security for the two years. Um, so more money's flown into to the short, short terms. terms. And then you have to remember, a lot of people put money in money markets. And a lot of the stuff that's backing the yield on money markets is back end, last puffs of these short-term treasury notes and then commercial paper and, um, and uh, what was I going to say? Tre- um, government-backed treasury notes. Mm-hmm. So that's going to tail up the front end of the curve. What we're, I'm continuing to see though in, in secession is the back end of the curve is starting to rise up 
And the front end of the curve is staying sticky, but the back end of the curve is rising. And it's 30 years higher than the 10 years, higher than the five-year. The only one that's higher than the five-year right now is the two-year yield. And it got as low as 3.4 back in May. It's back up to about 4.6% right now. It's about 5%, 4.9% before it took that dip. Um, When they start cutting interest rates, that rate will, will tank by quite a bit. And that's going to make a lot of traders money because they locked in those bonds, just like we are buying bonds on that side of the yield curve right now as well. And that's going to appreciate the most. So Mm. in my opinion, it's more of a people are buying that because they're going to start cutting interest rates. So it's it's a speculation. There's a play there to get some some returns. Yeah. I mean, what the Fed is essentially they're going to have to do. We just put bonds in a portfolio that is traditionally leveraged over 100% to stock. Mm. So it, because of how much money, and it's all zero to three month and one to three year. So the yield uh, curve bonds. is not as telling as it once was or no. as accurate. No. And then, you know, the, the second one that you and I've been going, and, and really what a lot of economists keep pointing to is when we get, right, you keep hearing when unemployment gets here, then this means X. And that's not as telling or as safe of a metric of measurement as it once was for the economy. And it's because we're seeing inflation coming down. We're seeing a lot of the things the Fed is doing to tighten up the economy. And yet we're still seeing unemployment numbers hold extremely steady and low. Yeah, people can work from home. In the week ending July 15th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial claims was 228, which was a decrease from the previous week's unrevised level. So it's like almost every single week, maybe a point or two this way or that way, but we're not seeing anything that is foreshadowing what the Fed is doing, leading to inflation, getting to higher and higher levels that they say they ideally, or maybe don't say, want to see it get to. Yeah. And it's because people can work from home now. That never used to be a thing. And it's a lot more acceptable. There's a lot more jobs and opportunities for jobs that you can work from your house. Right. I'm just, it's, COVID honestly is helping with that. That's something that COVID is, that's a that's a, a, a short term that, that will be a long-term effect and, and feel. That it's just a get. new data point. It is. And, and social trend that was not a norm and will become a sticky norm going forward yep. that people can use as data. But historically in the past, it wasn't. And now it's skewing some of these things that old, you know, the white-haired economists have been pointing to for the last few cycles when really this whole transformation through COVID has created somewhat of a new economy and landscape that we're still trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah. connect all the dots on and say, this actually matters. That doesn't matter anymore. There's a weighted matter, you know, of this item right here versus this one. And I think that's where, from what I'm seeing is so many smart people who have historically felt very confident and comfortable with cycles and what data in those cycles portrays or reflects is coming and or has happened versus now it's like, I don't know how to sort through all of this stuff. This used yeah. to mean that. And, th- you know, so it's it's just an interesting topic of discussion that I'm very interested in because 
if you can somewhat kind of decipher the new Rubik's Cube of the economy, you're going to get a much clearer picture probably faster than some people that have no idea how to connect the dots on all of these colors, right? Yeah. People tend to just start sounding like Robert Kiyosaki. Where they're just talking out of the side of their head and they don't know what they're talking about. And every time they every time anything happens, it's a market crash and you have to buy this. And so no, that that type of that type of thinking and that uh, is not successful long term or doesn't really have a place uh, at the table with people that are successful. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. And obviously, I think with what the Fed's doing, you know, with this next rate hike, a lot of people are saying, hey, you don't, you don't really need to do that. And then others are going, no, let's, let's continue to see some of this trailing data come in and how it's reflecting based on... The fear is a pop in inflation. Right. Which I, I can't... I understand what they're saying because mm-hmm. I've, I've talked about a melt-up myself yep. and I understand what that means. Nobody is rushing to buy a 7% pre-APR no. mortgage right now. I mean, I'm, I'm, we, I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at buying property in Napa or something to rent out. And, oh, it is aggressive right now. I mean, I'm, I'm talking like a house I looked at like it's a grip. two years ago. It's like $9,000 more a month. Yeah, it's insane. For the same, 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 same. Well, and I think that's where like Case Schiller index data came out this week um and they talked about it in this you know the increase in mortgage rates to that seven percent they're still floating sub you know sub seven above seven right in that seven percent mark though that's not really going to show up in the reports in the case shiller index until the fall time correct so what we're seeing right now which Case Shiller index, the median price was down 0.9% year over year. March or February data. Which ultimately, this was year over year in June. And as expected, the Case Shiller index is down 0.5% year over year in the May report. So things are trending in the right direction based on what they want and have been doing. Yep. 
We still don't even have the data of the most recent rate hikes and how that's going to tie into Case Shiller and inventory and all this other stuff. In addition to this now new rate hike that is coming in July and how the tail end of that is going to impact the market as a whole, which I think collectively it is doing exactly what they want it to do. Yeah, and it's it's coming down. I mean, it's it's not nay. It hasn't turned around yet. That's where I want to be. No, sure. it's still up, but lo- up lower than it was last month. And so, I do understand that we need to see a negative print on, like, multiple negative prints in order to for us to get really into the the green green zone. But we're lower and lower. I mean, we were nine percent this time last year. We're at five right now. So. Yeah. We're half where where we were. So it, it's a hundred percent trending in the right direction. They just don't want to get caught making one wrong move right at the end and then having to restart this all over again. Right, exactly. That's like there's no margin of error here for yeah for there, them. There is the too tight as well, which is too tight for too long is also not good. Yep. Seasonally adjusted house prices based on this report have increased over the last four months. And so I think the the big question is, will house prices decline further later this year based on what they're doing right now? I feel like the federal government is going to have to step in and do some subsidies for builders because there's no way they can, they, they just can't afford to build houses. No, I mean, the cost of it is insane. Yeah. And inventory still, we know at historical levels and lows that would take builders years, decades to catch up. They're going to have to come up with some tax benefits. So there's going to, like you said, there's going to have to be something. Something's got to give. This last week inventory increased 1.9% week over week. It's still down 8.8% year over year. Um, And I thought this was an interesting statistic. Out of the 1.1 million listings on the market right now, middle income buyers can only afford approximately 23% of them. So... Even if inventory does go up, if the costs associated with buying a home or maintaining a home or living in a home are not met with that increase, it there there's still going to be a gap in terms of absorption of those in that inventory getting taken into the market by people that can actually afford it. Yep. And this was a substantial decline compared to five years ago when around 50% of all of the listings were considered affordable for this same group. So you can see here, I mean, that's, that's essentially a, a you know, 50% decrease in people's ability to go out and actually take down a home that is a median priced home in today's market. Yeah, I can't imagine buying a house right now. Again, I I just see the interest rates and I don't even want to know the front end of it. It's just you get squeezed to 40 to 50% of the house that you could have afforded, you know, two, 24 months ago. Yep. And most people are just they're they're why would you sell when you have you have a unicorn? Yeah. I mean, essentially when you have most homeowners that are in, you know, a sub 6% mortgage rate Unless they have a divorce, they are relocating for work, they have to sell, why would you sell? And we're seeing, you know, no real mounting signs of distress. Serious delinquencies based on uh, Black Knight's recent data. They, you know, basically track all of the mortgages throughout the entire United States. And serious delinquent mortgages hit the lowest level since 2006. 
the number of serious delinquencies, which are basically loans 90 plus days past due, dropped to 471,000, which is the lowest since August of 20, uh, 2006. And when you got you know one in 10 mortgages in the US that has an interest rate um, higher than 6%, that's a pretty small pool of people that are going to consider getting out of something that they got sub six and a pretty, pretty great affordable cost of capital to uh, maintain and keep healthy because it's so cheap. So as we wrap up, based on the housing prices, we'll do a little trivia here. There are uh, basically the, the top housing markets in the country. It showed that there were on average, house prices up 42% since March of 2020, since the pandemic, per the Case-Shiller National Home Price Index. So of those markets that were up the highest, top five, I'm going to give you some guesses. Florida's number one. Yep. And there's two cities from that list. Uh, I'm going to say... Is Sarasota on there? Nope. Uh, is Fort Myers on there? Nope. <laughs> Fuck. Was it? Uh, what about the one with the J? <laughs> Welcome, Jupiter. To, Jupiter. Welcome to Miami. 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 Miami is number two on that list. Um, I knew it was Florida, Texas, Tampa. Oh, Tampa! Damn it. Tampa was Tampa, Tampa was number one on that list for most. Home price appreciation, 63.84% up. Mm. Home prices in Tampa, Florida since 2020. Coming in at number two, we got Miami, Florida, which is 63.12%. So almost mirroring that. Number three, we mm. got... Man, what is this going to be? Is this be uh, the Carolinas. Oh, uh, the Carolinas. Charlotte, North Carolina. It's like where my sister lives. Yep. So you got, uh, we had <clears throat> Charlotte, North Carolina was up 54.25%. And then you've got, let's see here, coming in at number four, we had Phoenix, Arizona. Whoa. And last, which I was kind of shocked by, but makes sense. And Phoenix, Arizona was a 54.23% up and San Diego, California. 52.12%. Wow. So, San Diego. Pretty significant. Now, some of those year over year are dropping pretty quickly. So, Las Vegas is dropping pretty fast. Phoenix, Arizona is dropping pretty fast. San Francisco, Seattle, those are all dropping pretty fast from their peak yeah. of uh, that they hit over that 2020 to now time frame. So interesting to be paying attention to what some of these markets are because there could be some great opportunities that come as a result of that. And we're definitely still keeping a, a, an eye on a lot of, I mean, every single week I see more and more, you know, commercial real estate owners handing the keys over to whether it's hotels or office buildings or big retail complexes, starting to see, you know, more and more banks initiate foreclosures on multifamily. Again, nothing too crazy yet, but I would say we're in the very early innings of this um, distress on certain commercial real estate product in certain markets. And I think with industrial and medical being probably the two golden children of commercial real estate right now. 
multifamily, office, and retail are the three that I think are going to get hit the hardest um, and could be some great opportunity. But you got to have a pretty big bat to be swinging at some of the pitches that are going to be coming down the plate on right some of these heavily distressed ones. And a big bag. And a big bag. That being said, we got a lot of great stuff for you guys coming up in the next few weeks. Again, more exciting earnings reports, more market updates, more real estate updates for you guys. Don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray with Ryan Come and his over. team, x-ray to 844-447-1555. I'm going to be putting out, um, many of you were on my my email list uh, for the deals that got notified of the three sales and got to see some of the great returns that we produced on those three hotels. I'm going to be releasing a new one this coming week. So if you want to get on that list, text the word deals to 844-447-1555. As always, you can get more information, insight, products, and resources at millionermindcast.com. And with that being said, we appreciate you all for tuning in. Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.